Y'all are chatty today, talkative today. Who had fun getting to church today? Who had to avoid the interstate and bypass fiasco? They're saying three more weeks, so may Jesus come back before then. It may, it may happen before the bypass gets fixed, right? <laughs> well, listen, I'm excited to be preaching today. Um, I am the, an assistant pastor here at New Life Church. My main job is our young people. That's what I, I do most of the time, plus a little bit of anything else that needs to be done. But I spend my um, life with teenagers every day all day. And now I pretty much have one in my house. So I, I mean, I just, there's no getting away from it. So I'll use your prayers, all of them I can take, right, to be with teenagers every day. But those of you that were with little kids, God bless you, because that is not my area. Little kids is not my thing. So, but I'm excited to be here with you today. And we are jumping in, as Pastor Jeremy said, this is a series that we are doing called Let Hope Arise 2020. We are looking at having a, a hope for the future of not only our church, but our individual lives. And with that, we are taking a 2020 perspective of looking through things and having a clear picture of where we have been and where we are going and what God has in store. And today I'm going to focus a little bit on the next generation with that. I want to start by reading Psalms 71, verses 14 through 18. All right, let's jump into the word. But as for me, I will always have hope. Say hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. That's an important thing I want to say. Listen, let me read this really quickly. Of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. Let's be clear. There is no way that we can fathom the measure, greatness, and vastness of the salvation work of Jesus Christ in our life. It is beyond measure. We cannot take inventory or stock of its effect and greatness in our life. And so one thing, I just want to push this because this kind of stuck out to me as I was studying and reading this verse was just a reminder that we cannot fathom or measure the significance of salvation. It is something we should marvel at and be in awe of no matter what age we are. Amen? So take that, grab hold of that today. We are in awe. We cannot measure the greatness of salvation. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, and that's a figurative because some of us are old, but we have people who keep us from being gray. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the richness of your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the life-giving force that is the word of God. Today we ask that you speak to us, that you stir us, that you encourage us, and that you push us forward as we lean into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So listen, I, I do, I spend every day with teenagers, and this week, it's almost like in preparation for this message, the Lord wanted to make sure that I was saturated with teenagers. So we had orientation and preparation for school this week and got to spend a lot of time with our kids, but then on Friday, 
I went to the jamboree, the high school football jamboree. Six of our big high schools here in town, the football jamboree. Me and nine million teenagers. Because, you know, they seem to multiply, right? So I was standing there, and I was with all of these teenagers and just talking to them and hearing about their schools and what was going on. We only had one little fight. It all worked out. It's all good. No, you know. High drama, lots of teenagers, as I said. But it was, it was super cool, right, to just be there. And we have all these people. We're watching these football games. And no matter how old you are or whether you know anything about football or not, not, when the big guy with the ball breaks away and he's running, everybody stops and watches and cheers. I don't even know what team I'm rooting for. But I'm like, big dude broke away. What? You know, we're all cheering for that. And so this is a really cool experience. I spent the evening hanging out with a bunch of teenagers. Then yesterday was Barn Fest. And so the other 9 million teenagers in town who weren't at the Jamboree were at Barn Fest. So over the past two days, I have literally laid eyes on every person under the age of 18 that lives in Jackson. At least that's the way it feels, Right? And heard them talking and jibber-jabbering and walking around, and it's hot, so I smelled all of them, and that was interesting. I'm just telling you, teenage boys in near proximity to each other in 100-degree heat, that is not the sweet smell of the Lord. That is a whole different thing. But I was with them, and I just felt like as I was listening to their conversations and walking around and talking to these kids, one of my gifts is that I can talk to anybody. I don't have to know them. And so I just approach people and talk to them. And so just in talking to all these teenagers and kids, the Lord really began to impress some things on my heart. And so today I want to give you a list about 20 things that we can know about this next generation. Those of you who are not in this current generation, it's hard, right? Because you look at them, and it seems as though oftentimes they're making a mess of things, right? But just remember, your parents before you thought your generation was going to put us under the bus, right? And the generation before that. You know, at some point, remember, there were parents who flipped out about their kids seeing Elvis shake his hips on TV, right? The generation above always is worried about the generation to come, sometimes with good reason. But remember what this verse I started with today. I have hope. Let me tell you some things. You don't have to make a list of these, but there's something that sticks out to you. I want to tell you some things that I have observed about this next generation. One, they're smart, super smart, like light years beyond us. They have technology at their fingertips. They can do anything. A three-year-old can download apps. You should always have a password, I'm just saying, no matter who you are. They're smart. They are loyal to each other, to their families, to their schools. They are loyal. They stick with who they're with. They do not turn their back on people. They are justice-minded. They believe in fairness. They believe in equality. They want to see people done right. And they're going to stand up for things that they believe in. They have justice at the forefront. They are questioners. No more do I do this because that's the way it's been done. No, tell me why are we doing this? What's the point? Explain this to me. No more, you're going to do this because your grandpa did it, because his grandpa did it. No, explain that to me. Tell me why. Let's talk through this. They're questioners. They are honest. If you don't want to know, do not ask. 
because they will tell you, and it may hurt your feelings. They are creative. Boy, are they creative. I mean, this is the generation of Etsy and eBay and all of these things. People are creating things constantly. Movies, film, industry. They're creating whole new fields that never existed before. They are next-gen minded. So many people in this generation are caring for younger siblings, raising up and taking care of the people after them. They're concerned about the next generation, about the world they're going to leave them, about our planet and what's going to be there for them. They are future-minded on the next generation. They are protective, maybe a little defensive. They have and they will buck up to you if you threaten them or come to them. And they are not lukewarm. They are hot or cold. They have no taste for lukewarmness. Not a little bit. Here's something to take in mind. They are not leaving God. They are leaving the church. It's something that we need to know, we need to recognize as a church body, that this generation is not leaving God. They are leaving his church. Remember what I said? They are not lukewarm. And to them, they have seen too much lukewarmness in the church. And so they refuse to be a part of things that are lukewarm. They're either in or they're out. They're nowhere in between. And it is a good quality, but we got to make sure we get them on the right side of that. They are often overeducated about things and oftentimes undereducated about other things. They do not lack for education, but they can be overeducated about stuff. And you're like, why do you, how do you know? I, don't, I, just don't tell me. I don't want to know how you know that or why you know that. But then they may not know how to do things like check tire pressure. So it it goes a lot of ways. They are acquainted with loss. This generation is seeing not necessarily their siblings die in foreign wars as previous generations. They are seeing their families and siblings die on the streets and in their communities and ravaged by disease and violence. They are acquainted with loss. You will not meet someone in this generation who has not lost someone close to them or someone that they are acquainted with at the hands of violence or disease. They are self-aware. They know. And they are searching for a purpose. And they are under constant pressure. Statistics will tell you that the average young person today suffers the same levels of stress as a World War I soldier. They are under constant pressure by us, by the world, by the media, by expectations, by themselves. They are under pressure. Now I want to tell you five things that I want to zone in and narrow down the next generation to the next generation in this church. It is five characteristics that separate them from a lot of the generation around them, a lot of the people around them. It's not exclusive to them. There are pockets all over our community of kids who embody these five characteristics. But I see it as something rising within our church, and I want you to have hope and be encouraged because I know these kids. I know them, so take hope in this. One, they have real relationship with God. Not some fake thing. They have a real relationship with God. They are working out their salvation, as the Bible says, with fear and trembling. Boy, they ask questions none of us would have had the nerve to ask, right? Because we would have felt trouble to say things like, what if I don't believe on God in God on Tuesdays? Like, what if I wake up, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I would have not dared to have asked that kind of question. 
But these young people in this church are wrestling with the hard parts of walking out a relationship with Jesus Christ. They are doing the work of real salvation in their life. They are servants beyond. We would not have church if it was not for people under the age of 20. You wouldn't have a chair to sit on. You wouldn't have worship. We wouldn't have anything if it was not for the service of our generation and these kids. They care for each other. Boy, do they care for each other. And they are real. They are not fake. So listen, as I said, I want you to have hope because, listen, the world gives us a lot of things about this generation. They put them down. They let us know. They say they're lazy, right? You've heard this. Millennials are lazy. They're not lazy. They work different than you. That's different, right? They're not going out and doing some of the things that you do because they're creating machines that will do the work for them. They're smart. They are not lazy. My husband has a kid in his class who plays video games all day, right, which we think is lazy. He is making $3,000 a month. Step off of the 15-year-old, right? He is not lazy. He is smart. This generation, do not believe the spin that is put on them. We have to begin to look at them the way that Jesus Christ looks at them and realize this is a generation of hope and promise, and they have the power and potential to shift this world. Let me tell you something. They will shift it one way or the other. If we can help be a guiding force for them, we can see it shift in the right direction. You can have hope in them. Those are some things I know about them. And part of that is we need to realize that our lives leave an impression. My son is in this phase of downloading music. And he has some that I'm like, Lord, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. I don't know what that's about. Um, and then also, because my husband is a music guy, he also has his fair share of, like, Grateful Dead and, you know, all this kind of music from all throughout the, the realm of life, right? He has a very wide music sense because my husband shapes that, right? He, we listen to music at our house. What we show and share, we need to share these things with the next generation because it leaves an impression on them. We can't just talk about them and how we wish they would get it together help them put it together. I mean, right? Like, this is what we do. We shape them and we mold them. So listen, today, as, as we focus a little bit on the next generation, how many of you would say you are not the up-and-coming generation? Let's be honest. You're not the up-and-coming generation. Some of y'all need to raise your hand, right? Some of you are out here, like, trying to straddle the fence, like, come on now, I'm still a little bit in it, right? No, you're not. You're not. Uh-uh. Just because you know who Drake is does not mean you are still in the up-and-coming generation, okay? So listen, I'm going to speak to this up-and-coming generation and to those of us who have already up-and-comed, okay? So all right, we're going to look in 2 John and 3 John. These are great books of the Bible. If you're struggling, start with these. You can tell people you read a whole book of the Bible today. You don't have to tell them that the book only had 23 verses. So we're going to look at 2 John. This is one of my favorite ones because guess what? It was written to a woman. (laughs) Listen, here we go. Let's read this. The elder to the chosen lady, chosen lady, and her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. 
It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love. Listen to this next generation. This is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands, as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out for you. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for and that you may be rewarded fully. So we're going to stop right there really quickly. I want to talk to you next generation. They're giving, this is a great little book of the Bible because it's really pointing out some things. It's really given us like the how-to manual on some thoughts. And it's saying right off the bat to walk in love. So let me tell you something. This generation, they love everybody. They love everybody. But we need to understand what it means to walk in love. And the Bible says it is to live according to his commands. Now, his commands include that we love people, we care for people, but we need to walk in love. I want to just talk to you about how you take a walk with God. Because this is something this generation needs to learn, and it's how to take a walk with God. It's not a sprint. We need to know this. Next generation, you need to know this. It is not a sprint. We are not rushing to get somewhere. People who sprint wear out quickly. This is a, a marathon. This is an ongoing daily walk. You are not sprinting to achieve a certain place. You are walking with God. This is not a summit to be climbed. You are not climbing up to reach the top to say, I am number one. This is not an achievement test. You are not climbing up to the top to declare, I have made it. That's not what it is about. You are walking with God. I heard this great little story about a woman who, on the 20th anniversary of being saved, she decided to walk 20 miles. And the first couple miles, she was like, this is great, right? I got it, okay? By mile 15, she laid down in a grassy field and said, I will never walk again. Yeah. I'm proud of her for getting to mile 15. Mile, like, uh, 0.3, and I'd have been, like, calling somebody. I've made it two streets over. I'm done. Somebody come get me. She made it. She was laying in a grassy field, and she said, I'm, I'm done. I cannot walk anymore. And her family, they knew what she was doing. They came up around her, and they encouraged her. Come on, we'll help you. We will walk with you. We will get this. And what she said was, is that their love carried me through those last several miles. We are walking in love. We are walking with each other. Let me tell you something. You are going to reach a point in your relationship with God where you are going to lay down in a field and you are going to say, I am done. I'm done walking. I've walked with you, God, and I have blisters on my feet and I am burdened and I am sunburned and I am wind burned and I'm at a loss with this whole thing. And you will lay in a field and you will say, I'm done walking with you, God. But if you are walking in love, there will be somebody there that will say, get your tail up. Come on. Hold on, let me put some band-aids on your feet. Here's some aloe vera. I told you to wear a hat. Let's go, right? 
They will help you. We have to walk in love, labor in love. This is not a race. It's not a climb to the top. This is a daily walking out. We walk and we walk and we walk and we keep walking one foot in front of the other. In Galatians 5, 16, it says we walk in the spirit. And if we walk in the spirit, we will not gratify our flesh. Walking in love and according to God's commands means that we walk in the spirit. You want to know how to withstand temptation? Walk in the spirit. If the Holy Spirit is with you and walking with you, you will be less likely to find yourself in places that you should not be. I tell my youth all the time, when you somewhere, imagine that I'm sitting next to you. Now, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I can help do his job a little bit, right? I can show up and be like, you should not be doing this, right? Sometimes. So what we have to know is that when we are walking in a relationship with God, young people and older alike, listen, we got to know we're walking in love, we're walking according to his commands, and we are walking in the spirit. That is what will keep us from the pitfalls of the world is by walking in the spirit. If you are trying to outrun the spirit and outclimb the spirit and ignore the voice of God in your mind, you will find yourself also laying in a field. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we have to walk in faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. Any of you ever gotten up in the middle of the night? Any of you ever been startled by your children? I was last night. Sound asleep. All of a sudden I felt this presence. Leah was also asleep, but not aware he was asleep. And his sleepiness had come to tell me that it was storming. And so I'm trying to help him navigate back to his bed, right? But I'm walking, and I <laughs> can't see where I'm going, right? But how many of you know if you're in your own house, you can navigate, right? You can navigate around things. If you're a mom, you even remember there's a toy there. I said I would pick it up. I didn't. Let me move around it. Okay, we can walk, right? But when we are in an unfamiliar place, how many of you ever tried to walk in the dark at your parents' house or somebody else's house, and in the middle of the night, you're like crumpled over in the floor because you hit your toe on something you didn't know was there, right? So what we have to know is that when we are walking through this world, if we are walking without faith, we are walking blind, and everything that comes throws at, gets thrown at us, we will trip, we will fall, we will be busted and bruised, and we've got to let ourselves be walking by faith and not by sight. Let me tell you something. If what you see determines how you feel, you'll be in a field. But if you walk by faith, then what you see and even what you feel, you can put in check with your faith and say, I will not be derailed by what is happening. I will be aware. I will be prayerful. I will be cautious. I will be conscientious. But I will not be derailed by what I see. I will stay firm in my faith and I will walk forward forward because I will not be blinded by the things this world is throwing at me. Because let me tell you something. Do y'all remember that show? They've got all kinds now, right? Where like the guy is trying to walk through. It was American Gladiators back in my day, right? And they're like trying to walk through and they're like, I got this, I got this. And then some guy that, in a leotard that they've named like Thunder throws a big giant thing at him and like knocks them off, Right? And then, like, some woman named, like, Ice Girl, like, throws something else. These big foam, like, things throws them at them and knocks them off. Let me tell you something, guys. When we're trying to navigate through this world, there are things being thrown at us. Y'all know, right? 
You can be casually walking through Facebook and something will be like, well, bam, and knock you right off. This generation, we have to realize, one of the things that you young people have to realize is that everything that you see and everything that you hear has to be filtered through faith. Has to be filtered through faith. You have to remember to walk in love. And walking in love is not just about, it's not only about loving everybody. It's about loving the word of God and following his commands. It's about walking in faith. It's about walking in awareness of where God is and making it not a sprint, not a climb. It's about walking with God every day. Walk in love, walk in the spirit, and walk in faith. That last little phrase, it says, do not lose what you have worked for. And this is the thing, one of the things that's hardest about working with young people, right? Is sometimes everything they've worked for, you watch them just walk by it, drop it, turn their back on it, move away from it. The Bible says do not lose what you have worked for. Right before that it says there are deceivers and people who have been sent to distract you and derail you from this walk with God. Do not lose what you have worked for. So, young people, let me tell you something. It is not rules. It is not feelings. It is not your interpretation of a scripture. It is not this church which will keep you on a path with Jesus Christ. None of that will. The only thing that will keep you on a path with Jesus Christ is his heart that compels you. It is the never-ending reminder that his grace and salvation has secured for you not only eternal salvation, but a rich and full life on this world where you get the privilege of building the kingdom of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By being here in this moment, you are a part of building the kingdom of God. Your feelings will fail you and lie to you every step of the way. They will. They will let you down and they will betray you every step of the way. And following a bunch of rules will mess you up because when you break one, you will feel like a failure. But you have to remember, it is not what I do and it is not how I feel that keeps me in relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the love he has for me that keeps me in relationship with him. That's where I keep going. Every day when I wake up, young people, you have to tell yourself, I'm gonna get up today, the world's gonna try to define me, the world is gonna distract me, this world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket, and I don't know what to do, and I wanna help, but what can I do? I can't feed all the hungry kids, I can't adopt 9,000 children, what am I supposed to do? And we can get overwhelmed with the love that we have, but love is more than just fixing things. It's walking day by day and trusting in faith and doing what you can and not relying on your feelings and not relying on rules, but relying on the love of Jesus Christ to walk you through. That is what a relationship with God is about. Day in, day out. Walk it out. Some days will be easy and some days you will have blisters 
on your feet and you will want to throw in the towel. And on those days, look around you. Somebody is going to be there to help pick you up and walk with you. And it's never a bad idea to wear a hat. It's just not. All right, older people, your turn. Third John. Third John. Right next door. We're just going to read a couple of verses from Third John. To the elder, my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. This is what I say. You know how I, I feel as though Gaius is older? Because he said, I hope you have good health. <laughs> and you know, when you reach a certain age, everything's about how you feel today, physically. When you're young, you don't even think about how you feel. You just get up and do stuff. <laughs> oh, health is wasted on the young. Right? It is. Even as your soul. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are, a f are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. Any of you older people ever felt like your kids or teenagers were strangers to you? You're like, I knew you since you were born, and now you feel like a stranger. Where did you come from? Even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a, way, in a manner worthy of God. In a manner worthy of God. All right, old people. <laughs> Not really. But I love this. How many of you that have children would say that you can say there is no greater joy than to know that your children serve the Lord? Right? There's no greater joy than that. Your kids cannot understand that. If you, if you don't have children yet, you cannot understand what it means to know that your children know the Lord. Because what it means is that you spend eternity with your child. And that is a blessed feeling and confidence to have. No greater joy. But then he goes on to say, I have heard of your love for the strangers. You have welcomed strangers, and they have told us of your love and of the good way that you treat them. The testimony that he was lauding on them, the praise that he was giving them, was because of the way they were treating and the way they were sending out these strangers. So what I want to tell you next generation um, the older generation to this next generation. What you need to realize and understand is, is that you are at a place in a position where you need to realize that whether your child is biologically yours or whether it is a kid you passed in Walmart, we are all family and these are all our children. And we need to realize that every kid we see is a child and they need to be given light and they need to be given love and they need to be pointed towards Jesus. And we want people to say of us that there is, we have been, they, we've been told of how well you love the strangers. We've been told of how well this church loves the strangers. 
and how well you send them out. We have a whole group of seniors this year. We're not going to talk about it because their parents may cry. But listen, we have some seniors this year. And as much as I don't want them to go anywhere, you don't have to go. I'm just saying you don't have to go. I know you may want to, but just between you and me right now, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. Okay? Just kidding. Right? But I want our testimony to be that we have sent them in the manner worthy of God that we sent them out in a manner worthy of God. And that every young person, every member of this generation, when they walk in this church, they don't feel scowled at or looked down on, but they feel accepted and loved and encouraged. Let me tell you something. God didn't give you the torch of a relationship with him. How many of you know your relationship with God, it guides you, right? It's a torch. God didn't give you a knowledge of the word so that you could shove it in the face of this generation, burn them, and cast a shadow on their face. He gave you the torch of an understanding of the Word of God and a deep relationship that you have developed over years with walking with Him so that you don't cast a shadow and burn them, but so that you show them where to go and so that you pass off that torch to them and stand and wave and say, I send you in a manner worthy of God. We have to realize this generation doesn't need you to beat them over the head with your light. They need you to show them where to go and how to get there. They need you to live it. There is no greater joy than knowing that my children serve the Lord. There is no greater joy than knowing that the young people who are raised up in this house go out in a manner worthy of God serving the Lord. They are all our children, all of them. And this weekend, as I stood there and looked around at all of those children at that football jamboree, at all those children at Barn Fest, and I realized there is a community of young people in this city, and they have biological parents, but no one has claimed them as their spiritual children. And they need someone to claim them. These are my children. They are God's children. And we will show them the way to go. Listen, if you are over, over that little crest and you are in the other generations now, it is time for you to stop whining about them coming up and what you're dealing with. And it is time to pick up a torch and light the way. And every time you feel yourself about to say, well, these kids, tell yourself, well, if I would have showed them, right? These kids don't know how to do nothing. Well, you should teach them, right? These kids, they're always getting in trouble. Give them something to do. These kids don't know Jesus. I told a man, we were at, um, at the Jamboree, and he said, boy, some of the things I'm hearing, some of the conversations I'm hearing these kids talk about. Whew. And I said, well, you know, unsaved people don't act saved. And he said, well, yeah, I probably need to remind myself of that. And I thought, you do, or you're going to have a really rough night. Because <laughs> remember, I said this generation is honest. 
They're not trying to hide who they are or what they're doing because they're not lukewarm. They are who they are. Don't expect this generation to act saved when nobody's taught them how to be saved. Don't expect this generation to come flooding into the doors of churches when all they know about churches is how they don't belong there and they don't fit there and they're not welcome there because of their life. Don't expect them to know where to go if we're in here, they're out there stumbling through the dark and we're in here talking about how big our torch is. Let me tell you something. We're going to burn down the churches with all the torch light inside of it. Meanwhile, the whole world is out there in the darkness waiting for just a little bit of light and we're in here setting fire to the inside of a building it's time to take your torch outside it is time to be able to say there is no greater joy than knowing the children of my community of my school of my city know the Lord there is no greater joy than knowing that the young person I took into my home that I let play basketball on my street that I bought lemonade from that I know he bought with money I gave him it does not matter I there is no greater joy than to know that these young people know where to go because I have helped them on the way. Now here's a little last part we're going to bring us all together. Both 2nd and 3rd John end very similarly. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Both of them in that same way. John writes to both of these groups, I will talk to you soon. I want to see you face to face. It is meant for us to do together. Together. Boy, how many times do we go through a day and forget to look people in the face? How many times do we go to Kroger and try our best not to look somebody in the face? Because we just are not in the mood, right? And yet John is writing these important letters. He's giving instructions to this church lady and this generation that she's raising up about how to love each other and walk according to God's purpose. And then he's telling Gaius and the people, he gives them instruction about a guy who's doing the wrong things. And he's instructing them about how they're loving people and doing well. But he still comes back and says, but I cannot wait to see you face to face. We got to start living life face to face with this generation, those above us and behind us. This church is a really wonderful, special thing because we have multi-generations in here. We have all generations. We're not an old church. We're not a young church. We're not an in-the-middle church. We have multiple generations represented. My last little verse, and we're going to kind of close out today, Jude Verse 3 says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. In verses, skipping over to verses 20 through 25 of Jude. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. 
to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. We are all, all ages. Let me tell you something, next generation and old generation. There is not one that is way ahead and one that is way behind. In this goal and purpose, we are side by side, a force to be reckoned with, with the purpose of snatching from hell those who are bound for it for showing mercy for those who are wavering and unsure and to also show mercy but being aware it does not mean we deny those who are living a life that is far away from God it means we have mercy on them and we love them but we are careful to not put ourselves in a position to be lost and we need to do it side by side because we really have one purpose the Bible talks about that if you get something to the fourth generation, you get it to forever. And in the Old Testament, it's talking about sin. It says the sin of the fathers, it affects even to the fourth generation. In this church, and thanks to the saving power of Jesus Christ, we are seeing a reverse of that. It is not a curse that is filtering through through the fourth generation. It is a legacy of hope and salvation that is filtering through. So in this church, on this very church at this day, we have generations one, two, and three sitting right there. We have generations one, two, and three all around, right, because they're scattered all over the place today. In my own family, I have generations one, two, and three. Our pastor, whose mom is serving in the nursery today, generations one, two, and his children, three. We are so close in 40 years as a church to getting to the place where our fourth generation is rising up. We must not waver and give up hope now because we are about to get this to where it has no end because it has crossed through and been passed down. May our children that are yet to be born, may their testimony be, my grandpa, great-grandpa loved Jesus. His dad loved Jesus. Jesus. My dad loved Jesus. In my house, we welcomed people. May they know no hypocrisy. May they know no hate. May they know nothing but the testimony of Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is how we change the generations behind and reshape the generations before when we realize that we have to walk this thing out we have to pass this thing on, and we have to live with the purpose. It is for his glory, his majesty, his power, and his authority. We will shape this next generation, and we will shape the ones to come. There is no greater joy than that my children know the Lord. There is no greater joy than knowing that after many of us are gone, the roots and seeds that we planted and took hold of have stayed firm and they have grown. And there is a generation coming who will never know a life without the saving love of Jesus Christ because anything else would be foreign to them. That is a powerful testimony to have. The greatest testimony is that I don't have a testimony. I didn't have to go through it. I didn't have to live through it because I've known and walked with Jesus all the days of my life. And that is the prayer for these young people.
that they will know and walk with Jesus all the days of their life. My father prayed for me every day. May she be a woman who knows God and a woman who loves God. May you pray for your children. May they be children who know God and who love God. May this next generation coming be a generation that knows God and that loves God. And I promise you that they can be if we will walk it out and we will pass it on and we will stand together. We will shape and ensure that this world will be a generation that knows God and that loves God. Can you stand with me today? I grew up watching too much TBN. I grew up watching TD Jakes. I said, when I preach, I, I need a TD Jakes sweat rag. Just wipe my face and say, get ready, get ready. I don't know how that happens. I am not one of those dainty ladies who does not perspire. <laughs> But listen today, whether you are in a, a, a part of this younger generation, a part of this older generation today, it comes back to the power and majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you in here are a testament to the fact that Jesus saved you? How many of you are a testament to the fact that the world threw a lot of things your way, but yet you have overcome? Amen. And so listen, with these hands raised, representing all the torches that are walking out into this community, and may we not use the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to strike and cast shadow, but may we use it to light and point the way. May we walk beside each other. Lord Jesus, right now we come before you. And Lord, today we, we, we come and we humbly come before you, God, and we thank you. God, I thank you for salvation. I thank you that you found me at my my lowest and saved me. I thank you that you found my great grandfather where he was and saved him and have begun to filter this down through the generations. Lord, we reverse the lies of the enemy spoken over this generation. They will be who you have called them to be. Lord, we speak light and we speak hope. Let hope arise for this generation and let us as a church be a church that can be said they loved the strangers and they sent them out in a manner worthy of God. We give you praise and honor today and help us tomorrow morning to awake with purpose that we will go and we will love and we will point people to Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.